Hey, well, good morning, folks. Um, your pastor, I, like, he knocks the flip phone. I still yearn for the flip phone days. I was in my prime then. The smartphone thing has not helped me at all. Um, hey, this morning, I woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I realized this is the absolute worst sermon you have ever written in your entire life. Get up, go downstairs, rework it. I have to ask for forgiveness. I went back to sleep, so you're stuck with what I got, okay? Um, um, hey, let, let me set this up. Um, this, uh, I'm going to show a short video. Uh, this was seven years ago. This was the divisional playoff game between the Ravens and the Broncos. A few guys were around during that time. It was a really, really cold day. This was Peyton Manning's first year, and I was certain we were going to the Super Bowl. Um, but if you guys, Carl, if you could cue that up, please. He's got great speed, but that's not going to get it done. Blackwell stepping up and throwing deep down the far sideline. Caught into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacoby Jones. How does that happen in the Denver secondary? That is stunning. That with a three-man rush and dropping eight guys into coverage, that the Denver Broncos could misplay this to this point. Only a three-man rush. Flacco steps up and unloads a deep ball. And again, I don't understand. Tony Carter has got the short coverage. How do you let the guys get deep? Raheem Moore, number 26, he's late coming. It's just amazing. It. Amazing. Um, seven years ago, uh, I still have not forgiven Raheem Moore. He was the cornerback that got beat on that play. But, but maybe even more so, I've not been able to get, forgive Joe Flacco, who became our quarterback. I never accepted him because I remembered this play. Um, I, I struggle with this forgiveness thing. Um, um, again, it was seven years ago. I wish I were only half kidding. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'd like to get up here share a message about some spiritual thing or some spiritual discipline that I'm really good at, um, but that's not today, not even close. Um, again, we're fussing with the forgiveness thing this morning, and part of the whole forgiveness thing is confession, and here's my confession to you. One of my spiritual gifts, one of my spiritual gifts is holding a grudge. Um, yeah, you're not really supposed to laugh at that. I'm just being honest with you guys. And, and this morning, as we try to get our heads and our hearts around this whole forgiveness thing, you're definitely not getting my strength. You're getting my weakness. And I'm trusting that God's word is true. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My experience has been God shows up in a big way when we say uncle, when we say we don't have it. I need your help. And I'm praying for that kind of grace this morning, God's unconditional love, God's no strings attached love to wrap around me, to maybe wrap around us this morning like a warm blanket on a cold night as we wrestle with this forgiveness. And the gospel lesson this morning is from Mark's gospel, second chapter, starting with the first verse. And if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to that. Mark's gospel, chapter 2, starting with the first verse. And as you're turning to that, I, I just share, I, I mean, I love the gospel of Mark. And partly because it's, uh, it's the story of Jesus. Mark shares the story of Jesus. It's also the shortest gospel. It's only 16 chapters. But there's this sense of urgency throughout the story. That the time is now. No more goofing around. It's time to go to work. It's time to figure this out. And last week, Pastor, I introduced this series, Lent for Dummies. The church calls this season before Easter Lent. 
Lent, as Pastor Ike shared, Lent starts on Ash Wednesday, a week and a half from now. It's the 40 plus days leading up to Easter. It reminds us of Jesus tempting in 40 days of temptation in the desert by Satan before Jesus began his public ministry. Lent, as Pastor Ike shared, is a time for preparation. And the message Pastor Ike shared last week was getting us ready for Lent, um, fasting, fasting and prayer, and how, how um, prayer goes with fasting. Pastor Ike gave us a great message on the how-tos. He talked about a full, full fast and a partial fast, and then the Daniel fast where you only eat fruits and vegetables. I would like to add the Joe fast. It's only carbohydrates, cakes and cookies and brownies and such. Um, but this morning, we're going to fuss with um, some of the how-tos of forgiveness. And we're going to look at the gospel lesson this morning. And I ask you, if you could, to just please stand as you're able in reverence of God's holy word. This is the gospel from St. Mark, second chapter, starting with the first verse. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was living on, flying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law, the, the pastor types, were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why, why are you guys thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on, on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I heard a pastor once say, You want to really mess with someone's head? If you really want to mess with someone's head, forgive them. And I'm thinking in this gospel lesson this morning, Jesus was really messing with these folks' heads, and maybe he was messing with their hearts as well. To the folks who are watching this story unfold, Jesus says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Which is easier to say? I forgive you, or get up and walk? Which is easier? If you've ever struggled like me with saying those three words, I forgive you, either face-to-face -face or in a letter or in your hearts. For some of us, we would almost say it's easier to say, get up and walk, because either way, a miracle is needed. If you've ever struggled with some of this forgiveness stuff, hang with me this morning, okay? Just some background on this forgiveness thing. Last Sunday, we talked about when we fast, we need to pray. Similarly, when we, when we, when, before we can forgive or be forgiven, we need to confess, and that's the first um, fill-in-the-blank, if you're following uh, notes in your, in your bulletin. Number one, forgiveness and confession go together. Confession simply means coming before God and each other, acknowledging our brokenness, our sinfulness, our struggle to be anything like Jesus. Confession, like prayer and fasting, it's a spiritual discipline and it takes work. 
And just to make sure we're all together on this, we're all on the same page, St. Paul reminds us, all of us, that we're all sinners. For all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, I went to uh, college in upstate New York at Syracuse. And um, in Syracuse, this time of year, it snows almost every day, sort of similar to what we've had in, in February in Colorado. But, but it snows almost every day. And there's something called the lake effect in upstate New York. When the wind blows across uh, Lake Ontario and Lake Onondaga, picks up this moisture and then dumps it on, on central, central New York. Um, the campus, uh, Syracuse, sits up on a hill and it looks down over Syracuse. And there's a building, downtown Syracuse, called the Money Tower. And on top of the tower is this flashing light on, on the radio tower. Flashes what kind of weather is coming your way. Green is good weather, but at this time of year, it's always white or flashing white. It's going to snow or it's, it's snowing already. I want to say um, that's the, the, the lake effect, the snow effect in, in New York. But I want to say we're, we're all of us. All of us are imp impacted by the sin effect. If we had a flashing light above our heads, we'd all, we'd all be saying sin or about to sin. You with me? Um, this morning, if it's okay with you folks, I want us to, as best we can to begin to practice some of this forgiveness stuff. I want us to practice some of this confession stuff. And I ask you just to be still for a moment. God's word says, be still and know that I am God. Just for a moment, let's come before God and acknowledge to God some of our stuff, some of our sin, something that keeps getting in the way, something that keeps you from following this Jesus fully. This is just between you and God. If you could just bow your heads for a moment, shut your eyes if you will, just be still. Listen to the voice of God. Now, if I could ask you to say this with me. This is from 1 John, starting uh, chapter 1, starting with the 8th verse. If you guys could say this with me. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who come before God transparently and say, I got stuff. Lord, here's my stuff. First things, first things first, as we begin to wrestle with this forgiveness issue, we need to acknowledge that we are sinners. We need to confess. But the second part is, to, to be forgiven, we must forgive. From Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, if, condition, if, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Because we are forgiven people, we must forgive. Forgiveness is the obligation of the forgiven. From the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. To close the deal... On being forgiven, we have to forgive. And those are the basics of the forgiveness deal. Acknowledging, number one, our sinfulness. And number two, to be forgiven, we must forgive. Now I want to get into the heart of this message. In practical ways, how do we forgive? How, how do I forgive? How do you and I forgive? 
And I want to open this up by inviting you into a story by sharing a letter from Amber. And Amber's a grown woman now who is writing a letter to her grandfather, her now deceased grandfather. And Amber, when she was young, she was taken advantage of by her grandfather in all the ways, in all the bad ways. And I want to invite you into the story, and it's a painful story, but maybe it backs into some of our story, our struggle, specifically our struggle with forgiveness, my struggle with forgiveness. The letter is titled, A Gift for Grandpa. Dear Grandpa, and the letter starts out by Amber thanking her grandpa for the fun things grandpas and granddaughters do together, thanking grandpa for loving her and being Amber's friend where there seemed to be no others. Now I'm quoting from the letter. This is a true story. Grandpa, I also want you to know I'm on a spiritual journey, working toward inner healing with the Lord Jesus in my heart, but I am having trouble in the area of things you did to me when I was a little girl. So, in my struggle to help me move on in my healing, I want to give you a gift, the most special gift I could give you. That gift, Grandpa, is forgiveness. I want to explain to you what kind of forgiveness it is. My gift of forgiveness to you is for all the violations done against me by you when I was growing up, and I will explain. And then Amber goes into details, and I'm editing this down. I don't need to share all of it. Grandpa, I want to forgive you and release you for violating me. I want to forgive you and release you for the mistrust you developed in me, training me not to let anyone be too close to me for fear of being hurt. I want to forgive you and release you for making me feel so ashamed when I did nothing wrong. I want to forgive you and release you for setting me up to falsely blame myself for something I could not control or make stop as a little girl. I want to forgive and release you for the anger you developed inside me towards you. And I want to forgive and release you for the hate and fear of men that you instilled in me, even towards my dad, whom I love with all my heart. And I skip a bunch. The most important thing, I want to forgive and release you for, just, for the distorted picture of God you gave me. You made me blame God for the sin which you were committing, which was not God's fault. And as a child, I could not understand how a God who loved me, and in the Bible said God was there for me and would protect and guide me, could let something like this happen. Now I know that it was not God's fault, and God was there all the time for me. Grandpa, now that I have completed this part of the journey and transferred you over to the Lord through forgiveness, I want to make a promise in my heart that I will never bring this up against you again. It is time to draw this letter to a close and say goodbye. Before I do, I want to thank you again for all the good memories you have given me. I will always cherish those times. Now that I feel better about myself and can accept what has happened to me, I can really say I know what it means to love you through the eyes of the Lord. The letter is signed simply, Amber. Tough stuff to forgive someone who hasn't asked for it. Tough stuff to forgive someone who has twisted the truth, taken advantage of one's position, killed someone's innocence. Tough stuff to forgive when there never was seemingly any kind of repentance or remorse or regret, we all have been hurt before. Just like we all have our own sin, the sins of others have impacted us. And maybe, maybe we can relate to Amber's pain, but we have, maybe we can't relate to Amber's pain, but we've had our own share. Something that happened to us yesterday or a week ago or a long, long time ago. A hurt 
maybe that still hounds us, that you and I have not been able to let go, that you and I are still bitter about, maybe one that makes us so angry about that it churns our stomachs to even think about it right now. Maybe God is laying on your heart the name of someone that you're struggling with right now to forgive. Someone who has wounded you deeply. and Maybe they are unaware or worse, unmoved by his or her actions. The act of forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it or hasn't asked for it may be the hardest thing that you or I ever do. And some folks say there's only one thing that costs more than forgiving someone. There's only one thing that costs more than forgiving someone. And that's not forgiving them. Non-forgiveness costs us. Non-forgiveness costs us our heart. Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. This This is hard stuff for me to share because it really speaks to my own struggle with forgiveness. I don't have to share details about the hurt, a certain hurt, but my experience with this situation taught me a bunch about forgiveness, especially how not to do it. And I held on to the hurt and the bitterness and the anger like a Rottweiler on raw meat. Quite a few years ago, this is more than 15 years ago now, I was hurt, really hurt. And not not so much physically, at least at first, but emotionally and spiritually and mentally. And not just me, but my family, my wife, my kids, they were hurt too. Sometimes you don't realize how really hard something is until you're in the middle of it. I started out, I was not going to forgive this person who hurt me so, who hurt us. I couldn't control how this person hurt me, but I could control this part. I was not going to forget how this person hurt me, and I was not going to forgive them. No way. But I wrestled with God about this part, about being called to forgive. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Knowing I should do it, and some part of me wanting to obey it, but not able to do it. And as I struggled with this, over time, physically, I felt this tremendous weight on me, on my shoulders, but also this heaviness, this darkness on my heart, on my soul. And as I struggled with forgiving this person's sin against me, I truly felt as if my sins, my stuff, was not being forgiven. The, the weight I felt was, was my stuff, and each day I didn't forgive or try to forgive. It seemed like it got heavier and heavier. After a while, I knew I needed help. I needed professional help because there was a time I thought I was going crazy. I was in this spiral downward, and I just thought I'd never get out of it. I could not, I could not figure this out on my own. Finally, I sought help, professional help, counseling. Because of good counsel and good friends and my loving and supportive wife, some great, source, some great resources, I've made progress. We're commanded to forgive. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's not a feel-good thing. It's just a do-it thing, that old Nike commercial. Just do it. The old saying is true. When we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free, and then we discover the prisoner we set free was us. Peter to Jesus, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? Isn't that enough? And Jesus replied, not seven times, but 70 times seven times. What Jesus was saying to you and I, we are called to forgive every time. How many times, Lord? Every time. 
And I want to make a clear point here. We are not called to subject ourselves to abuse, either physically or emotionally or mentally or any other kind of abuse. If you're in 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 an abusive relationship, you need to get help. You need to get help now. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're, We're talking about forgiveness, reconciliation, repairing what was broken may ne- never happen this side of heaven. And there's a grand canyon of difference between forgiveness and rec- reconciliation. We are called to forgive. We're not always called to reconcile, especially in situations of abuse. But we are called to forgive. We are not called to sit down and have dinner with the one who hurt us, but we are called to forgive. Back to Amber's letter to her grandpa. Amber was commanded to forgive her grandfather. She didn't ask for any of this stuff when she was a kid. It was dumped on her. And now she's trying, she's trying her best to move on. No repentance in sight with her grandfather buried eight, six feet under. But Amber knows she wants to be freed from the weight of this sin. Jesus told his disciples, Jesus tells us, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my ways, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amber knows the truth now. She has been called to forgive, but more than anything, she wants freedom. She wants freedom from the hurts that her grandfather gave her. Amber wants peace. I have no real authority, no real shmika to talk about this subject. I still have some unresolved forgiveness in my own life. Some of that stuff still raises its ugly head and bites me. I have some areas in my life where Jesus is saying, forgive. And I keep asking, do I have to? Do I have to? And the answer comes back, yes, yes, yes. I do know how not forgiving can be life-sucking torture as the tapes of the hurts can play over and over again in our hearts and our heads. I'm still stuck, if I'm honest, I'm still stuck on some of those hurts. A friend asked me a while back that I had trusted with this, if I had been able to get over this, this, this one thing, if I had been able to forgive what happened to me, if I had been able to let go of the hurt. With my words, I said yes, but with my heart, I still held on to some of that grudge. And I'm learning that you start, you start out holding a grudge, and along the way, the grudge holds you. The bitterness holds you. The anger holds you. I want freedom from the hurts. We need freedom from the hurts. We all want that, don't we? To forgive is an act of faith. It's not a head thing or a vocal thing or even a visible thing. It is a matter of the heart and not between our hearts and the offender's heart, at least not at first. It is between our heart, your heart, and God's heart. Hear this. It's, it's not about excusing them. It's not about turning the other cheek or, or it's not about turning the other cheek or cheap grace. It's about letting God be God. And us letting go of the hurt, to use Amber's words, Grandpa, I choose to forgive and release you of the hurts. To forgive doesn't happen by itself. It is a choice, a scary, terrifying at times choice that takes a tremendous amount of courage and faith, especially when the world says, Don't get mad, get even. I love this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He says, darkness doesn't defeat darkness, light does. Hate doesn't defeat hate, love does. I want to share just a couple of books, two resources that have helped me uh, through some of my struggle with forgiveness. One is Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. 
The other is When Forgiveness Doesn't Make Sense by Robert Jeffress. Um, these books helped me. I pray if you're struggling with some of this, they might help you too. Both, both of these resources are listed in your bulletin notes. And there's more info on both of these um, in the study guide that's available on this lesson right next to the Welcome Center. This stuff, this forgiveness stuff, um, we can touch on it in a big group like this through a message on Sunday morning. But if you really want to fuss with this, unpack this, you need to be in a, in a class or a small group or with one or two friends. And I encourage you to be part of one. If you're not in a small group and you want to be, track me down or Pastor Ike or, or Rose and we'll get you connected. To try to wrap this all up, and I, I want to just share, I want to boil some of the how-tos down to five steps. Maybe these can help you. They have helped me in moving towards forgiveness. And I just remind you that none of this, none of this is easy. Number one, acknowledging to God that we can't do it alone. We need God's help. Sometimes we need professional help. And my simple prayer to God when we struggle so is, Lord, help me. I need help right now. Humbly and in complete submission to God, we ask God to help us, to work in and through us, to help free us. Number two, ask God to forgive us for our sinfulness. And then for any part we may have had in the hurt. This is the confession piece. And at times we see the speck in someone else's eye and lose sight of the plank, the log, and others. Lord, I need forgiveness too. For nothing else, for my lack of giving forgiveness. God's word tells us, be careful how you judge, lest you will be judged. Honest confession. Number three, make the deliberate choice to keep the hurt or offense close to the vest. And this isn't necessarily easy, but when our motive is to hurt another person by telling on them there is sin on our part, do not broadcast the offense or tweet it or whatever. God wants us to treat the person who hurt us as we would want to be treated. And I'm not telling you to keep an abusive situation secret. An abusive situation, if you're in an abusive situation, get help. Get it now. Seek help. Seek a professional. But what I'm talking here is just the broadcasting of an offense just to, just to be mean, just to be ugly, to get folks on your side. Number four, say these words in your heart. Say these words in your heart and aloud to God. I forgive and name the person. I forgive for hurting me and I release them to you, O Lord. And then name the hurts. Be specific like Amber was in her letter. You need to name the demons we're dealing with. Maybe we need to write a letter like Amber. Maybe that's easier to name the hurts. Lastly, we need to pray for those who have hurt us. Jesus' words, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is not a, Lord, please deal with them prayer. I've tried that. I'm not sure if that works. It is praying that God will forgive them and God will let them off the hook and then that God will bless them and prosper them. Tough stuff, praying for God to bless and prosper those who have hurt us. And maybe this is the most difficult thing we need to do in this forgiveness process. Kendall, one of the authors of those resources, reminds us that this forgiveness, total forgiveness, doesn't happen overnight. That sometimes total forgiveness is a lifelong process. I am a work in process. 
on the Super Bowl a couple weeks back, um, one of my favorite commercials was this Bill Murray and Groundhog one. If you guys have ever seen the movie Groundhog, it reminded me of that. But, but if you remember, the, the, uh, Bill Murray just keeps reliving this day over and over again. At, at 5.59, it clicks over to 6 o'clock, and it plays the same Sonny and Cher song, I Got You, Babe. He's just in this stuckness. Um, it's a story of stuckness. Lack of forgiveness will cause stuckness. My wife's an English major. I don't think that's a word, but... Um, Forgiveness, working towards forgiveness, helps us move forward. Forgiveness, do we have to? Yes, we need to forgive because God tells us to. And here's our homework from today. Go practice forgiving. I promise you there will be no shortage of opportunities to practice. To close, we need to forgive because the cost of not forgiving, the cost of bitterness, the cost of resentment, the cost of carrying around a grudge is way too high. It costs us our hearts. We need to forgive because the promise in forgiveness is peace. If you are carrying around a forgiveness burden, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a rock in your shoe. No matter how small or how big it is, you, you need to address it. You can temporarily work it into a place where it doesn't hurt so much, but eventually we have to take the shoe off and get rid of the rock. We need to let go of the rocks in our hearts. We need to forgive. But most importantly, we're called to forgive because we are a forgiven people. Jesus from the cross, beaten physically and emotionally, shamed, humiliated, abandoned, tortured, and from the cross, Jesus prays for his crucifiers. He prays for us to, Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Through the cross, Jesus, the one who is blameless, takes on the sins of the world, the sins of those who have hurt us, our sins too, and Jesus dies for us. Jesus' last words from the cross, it is finished. There is no more. To forgive another is to embrace our need for forgiveness for forgiveness, and our complete dependency on Jesus for that forgiveness. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We need to forgive so that we can embrace God's forgiveness gift for us. That's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's God's grace. Can I ask as we close, just to bow your heads, let me pray over us. Heavenly Father, we just, just thank you for being in this place, this sacred place right now. And Lord, we come to the foot of the cross during communion. We come to the foot of the cross. We remember the cross. And we remember those words that you shared from the cross. Father, forgive them. And Lord, we, we embrace that gift of forgiveness. Lord, help us to walk through, work through this whole forgiveness thing. Lord, it is not simple. It is not easy. It's complicated. Lord, I pray that as we walk with you, you'll remind us that you're with us, even in those dark and hard and scary times when we were called to forgive. Lord, I just pray over this gathered community this morning. I pray this in your son Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.